a family business founded in 1977, Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven is an award-winning garden and lifestyle destination. Find an unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments at our stores in Lachlan Bridge, County Carlow and Kilquade, County Wicklow. Arboretum.ie Tuesday nights from 6 until 7 on KCLR. This is The Garden Show with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments. Arboretum.ie Hello and you're very welcome along to The Garden Show here with me, Paul Smith. Uh, it's a bit of a damp evening out there, not the best day to be out gardening, but we have plenty coming up here on the show today and we'll have lots to talk about and lots to keep you inspired to get back out into your garden when the weather does take a change. Uh, we're going to have Eamon Wall coming in from the Arboretum later in our how-to section. He's going to talk to us about veg gardens, greenhouses and getting started in the whole veg and productive side of the garden. We're going to go off and take a little trip over to Ultimate Garden in County Carlow and have a look there and explore the garden. I'm going to be off on site. But first of all, we have a guest in. So we have Dr. Cara Daly, who is the course leader of horticulture in SETU in Waterford and also a plant scientist. Cara, you're very welcome along to the show this evening. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for um, asking me on. You're very, very welcome. Um, Cara, I've got you on because I want to get the listeners uh, looking a little bit beyond plants as just lovely, pretty things that are fantastic in the garden, but also looking at them in terms of what they can do for us and, you know, the science behind plants and what plants, how they're so fascinating to us. So can you just tell me a little bit about why plants are so fascinating and what makes them so much more complex than we appreciate, uh, if you have a thing or two to say? Oh, I'm wondering, where am I going to start, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, the first thing is that the plant world, I suppose, it's so diverse. Um, At the last count, I think there's more than 400,000 species of plants on Earth and 90% of those are flowering plants. And of course, then you have, as a gardener, we all know there's multiple varieties and hybrids and cultivars of all of those attractive ornamental plants. Um, And more are being made by selective breeding all the time by all our uh, nursery men and women across Ireland and across the world. So, um, of course, we're, I suppose we're losing a shocking amount of plants as well to extinction every year. Um, listeners might have heard of the recent news story from a 20-year study of Ireland's native plants that shows a 56% decline in Ireland's native wild plants. Um, so, listen, to go back to your question of why it's, plants are so fascinating, I suppose when, plants, when people realise that plants are so important in feeding us and the animals that we eat, and they're so important in forming soils and mobilizing nutrients and stabilizing soils. Um, and when you even look a, a tiny little bit through the window of plant science, you realize that, um, you know, small traits of plants have huge ramifications for our lives on Earth. You know, so um, I could talk for the entire pro- program about this, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. Um, and that's why I've asked you on, because it is, uh, as you said, it's fascinating. And it's amazing to think that pretty much all life on Earth is thanks to these amazing plants. And, you know, as gardeners, we grow them in our garden and we're happy to have them. But uh, they are used for so many other things and they have many more uses, too. Um, I am going to talk a little bit later on about yew trees. But plants, we not only use plants to eat, but we also use plants for medicine and don't we care and lots of other things you do yeah like the yew tree is um is really integral in producing a chemical called taxol which is used as a you know a, a, a chemotherapy drug mm-hmm. um there's a lot of the alkaloids and um, their bitter tasting alkaloids are used as well in in, in therapy so 
And they also are incredibly nutritious. You know, we we can't make a lot of the the vitamins that um that we need, and they're all available in plants. So you know, they're absolutely integral to our old health and wellness, and I suppose our mental stimulation as well. You know, there's nothing as grounding as getting out there and getting your hands into the dirt. Um, and forgetting your worries and planting a seed is like an investment in the future. So not only do they nourish our bodies, they can nourish our souls and our minds too. And and also our creative endeavours. You know, how many beautiful floral wallpapers are out there and carpets and all kinds of things that for hundreds of years we've, we've been um, creative with plants too. Yeah, we haven't even really thought about it. We've been using plants in so many different ways. And you mentioned there about um, uh, children and people, uh, you know, interested in learning more about them. And uh, you are the course leader down in SETU in horticulture, and that's where I studied. Um, Do you have any advice for someone who's looking about changing career or maybe pursuing a career in horticulture, wanting to know a little bit more about doing garden, gardening as a more of a professional thing rather than just a hobby? Oh, look, well, I think if you do have a chance to go to college to study horticulture or plant science, then I definitely advise it. Um, we have one life and even if I sound trite saying it, I don't mind saying that life is short and too precious to spend it in an unfulfilling career. So if you have a love of plants or designing or creating gardens or growing food um, and you do have a chance to turn what is sometimes termed and devalued as a hobby into an actual paying career which is incredibly fulfilling you know and you've um, a plethora of listeners here in the southeast of ireland which is a wonderful place to be growing plants and learning about horticulture Um, and you're obviously not the only person to ever go back to college say as a mature student because we get many mature students signing up to our degree down in setu every year and our mature students are the ones that really do excel you know, and probably sometimes unexpectedly in their own minds, they're excelling, but they're studying something that they're passionate about and therefore they're good at it. So they tend to do really well in it, you know. So even if you can't sign up for our three-year degree in SETU, there's a variety of long of uh, and short-term courses in Ireland. Um, and you can certainly find one that suits your budget and also your time availability. Great. And as you say, uh, as well as mature students and people leaving college too, um, anyone who's got a passion and an interest in this whole world, it's certainly something worth pursuing for them and something that uh, is a very worthwhile career. And I can I can stand by that. And it allows you to do all sorts of fascinating things. And uh, it's a very varied career too. Horticulture covers so many different things from, you know, it's not just plants and gardening, it's golf courses, it's amazing creativity, it's doing things like what we're doing here at the moment. It really Really envelops so many different uh, possible career paths. It really is. Uh, it's fascinating. And you've also got a link, don't you, Cara, down in SETU with Kildalton College. Um, that's where you do all your practical work if you do go down to study with you guys down there. We do, yeah. And like, in fact, we have um, we have two horticulture degrees that are almost ident- identical, all, almost identical. One of them is um, run exclusively in the National Botanic Gardens in Dublin. And the other one um, is in Kildalton College in Piltown, County Kilkenny, which is around about 20 minutes from the M9, I believe. Um, the students down in Kilkenny, where you would have went, Paul, you would study for the majority of the week in Kilkenny and maybe one or possibly two days a week in SETU Waterford. So we have we have the two programmes. They're, they're pretty much the same. Um, and they're there and available, you know, the CAO where the applications come in through, that's open now until the 1st of May. 
Um, and you could be starting sitting in the classroom with like-minded people with a love of horticulture, plants and environment in September this year. You know, that's 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 the opportunity there for you. Brilliant. Uh, fantastic. And just to touch a little bit back on the whole subject of plants and plant science, Cara, uh, now that we've chatted a bit about pursuing it as a career. Um, do you have a particular plant that you have a favourite or that you want to, you like to grow, you have in your garden or that's a very much a favourite plant of yours? Do you have anything that comes to mind? Oh, Paul, this is like being told to choose a favourite child. It's, yeah, it's an unfair it's question, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> Uh, well, give me 10 then, or maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, um, I really I really love those tall echiums. People will know them as the, they're biennial, mostly biennial plants. They'll produce lots of big leaves, big, long, lance-shaped leaves in the first year of growth. And then usually in the second year, they'll throw up one huge, big flower head. And I'm not talking about a small, little, shy plant here. We're talking about something that can reach two or three metres and tall. And the pollinators absolutely love them because each of the individual flowers, and there's thousands on the one plant, um, will attract long-tongued bees and moths and butterflies, and they absolutely love them. So if you're sitting out in an early summer and you're surrounded by echiums, all you can hear is this buzzing sound. There's nothing quite like it. Um, yeah, I love lots of there's nothing like it is there no no it's been out in the garden and just hearing the whole place kind of like you think you're in total silence on your own and then all of a sudden there's a hum and the hum if you go closer to whatever plant is coming from gets louder and louder and you realise that it's alive Uh, and that's what some people sometimes don't appreciate is that gardens are very much living things and I know you speak a lot about this when uh, we were down in uh, SETU Cara but gardens are alive in every sense not just what's above the ground but also below the ground our gardens are very much living things in every sense of the word, aren't they? Oh, they absolutely are. You know, I feel like I'm I'm almost an imposter in a garden because uh, you know the natural it's the natural habitat for everything from from worms to beetles to slugs even to pollinators and pollinators come in many forms. You can have long-tongued bees, short-tongued bees. You can have hoverflies ordinary flies also pollinate even wasps pollinate plants um, it's just an absolute plethora of things out there I remember sitting at my pond there last year and I heard this really unusual buzzing sound, it sounded like a, high, a faraway helicopter and I looked over and it was one of those hum- hummingbird hawk moths wow. which are relatively new to Ireland but he was just there with his big long tongue, his proboscis and he was um, getting all of the nectar from these long tubular shaped flowers um, where maybe some of the hoverflies couldn't reach them. So there's, it's absolutely alive out there. I don't use any pesticides or, or anything like that in the garden because I don't feel need for it. You know, I want my garden to, to balance itself with minimum in, input from me. So the way I approach my gardening is that I would feed the soil and in turn the soil will feed the plants and the soil will be happy and healthy and it will be aerated by all of the little critters and worms that move through it. Um, and I don't have to add in any of these chemicals that, you know, that you go to a garden centre now and it's, a, it's like a sweet shop of chemicals. Um, and we really don't need it because lots of the pollinators that I've mentioned there will predate upon some of the things that might be a little bit of a pest in the garden, like your green fly or that kind of thing. You know, so I think sometimes when you sit and you just watch what's happening in your garden at different times of the day and at different times of the season, you'll see that there's 
there's an army of little critters out there doing the work that you maybe your grandparents used to do with a chemical. Yep, there really is. Uh, you know, uh, gardens are, it's amazing the balance there and what's happening in it that we just don't realise. And those things that we don't think are all that important uh, can really be uh, fascinating and really, really important for us. So, um, Carrot, just thank you very much for coming on and uh, thank you. And if anyone is interested, uh, get touch with Carrot down in SETU about a career in horticulture. My pleasure, Paul. Great. The Garden Show on KCLOR with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments. Arboretum.ie Now, just before we head over to look at Ultimate Gardens, I want to talk a small bit about uh, my plant of the week. It's a little thing that I do every week where I mention a plant that uh, people should have a look out for and might be worth growing. And we did touch on this earlier with Dr. Cara Daly from SETU. This is the yew tree um, or Taxus baccata to give it its uh, proper botanical uh, long-winded name. Yew trees are fascinating things uh, for a couple of different reasons. One of them being that they can live for thousands and thousands of years you often find them growing in old graveyards and they say that that's usually to try and stop livestock being grazed there because they are deadly poisonous all parts of it uh, just the foliage the seed I think even the bark um, are poisonous so they are quite dangerous to uh, livestock in particular but also to humans if we were to eat them but uh, you don't see many people going out wanting to munch on a hedge they're also a native plant which is why they're found um, all over the country so not only are they found planted very deliberately in graveyards but they will occasionally pop up naturally in hedgerows, um, especially ancient hedgerows and places that have been less touched uh, by ourselves as humans. So a really fascinating thing. The great thing about them, uh, they call them the king of hedges, by the way, is that most hedges, particularly most conifer hedges, and a yew is a conifer tree, if you cut them back into that dead wood, they just will never, ever come back to life. A hedge cut back into dark dead wood, usually Lelandia, that type of thing, they're gone. If you cut a yew hedge back, you can hack it back nearly to the ground, any dead wood at all, and it will re-sprout. It has this amazing kind of regenerating property which is not the case in lots and lots of plants so a really interesting one and one that's worth growing if you can at all uh, if you're looking to plant a hedge in the garden and if it's suitable um, and you don't have livestock that's too close by it really is worth thinking about you and as we said earlier with Cara it is used in cancer treatment uh, the alkaloid in it uh, taxanes I think they are have anti-cancer activity and they are used in uh, the treatment of breast cancer I think so a really fascinating one uh, Okay, we're going to head over now in a minute or two just to have a little look at Ultimate Gardens. I was there over the Bank Holiday weekend with Robert Miller and I had a little walk around and I want to just introduce you to it. I'm just here, I've came in the gate of Ultimate Gardens in County Carlow and I'm going to go first of all into the wall garden to have a quick chat with Robert Miller and find out a little bit about the history of Ultimate. Hi Robert, how are you doing? Hiya Paul, how are you? Welcome here to the wall garden here at Altamont. Thank you very much. Uh, Robert, we're going to have a quick walk first in the main part of the garden and then we'll come back into your wall garden if that's okay. Perfect. Let's crack on while it's still dry. So, I'm here with Robert. We're outside Altamont and we're just walking down the main border here. Tell me a little bit about where we're walking, Robert, and what we're looking at here in the borders. Well, we're just walking down from the main house here in Altamont. Um, we're walking down the, the central pathway on the left and right at the moment is uh, Mrs. North's uh, collection of daffodils that she would have collected over many years. So you can see they're pretty much at their peak now for Easter and looking fabulous and the new foliage of the roses coming up through them. 
And so Mrs. North was a collector, I suppose, of the daffodils and lots of other things here too, is that right? Yeah, well, Mrs. North probably, um, yeah, she was a gardener through and through, probably like us all uh, got into different varieties of plants, snowdrops and daffodils, and then obviously she had her magnolias and her oak trees. So basically, yes, she was a collector of plants in general. And we're here walking down. Is this the main walk, the main kind of boardwalk down to the lake here that we're uh, going through? The main double border, I suppose. Is that what yeah. this is called? So this was actually the carriage uh, driveway to the to the house um, pre nineteen. 19- 45 the lake was the lake was dug out in 1845 as a family relief so um the main road was actually on this side of the house so this was the front of the house this is where the carriages used to come up to to the front of the house and then uh, after that the, the the road was changed so the front of the house became the back and vice versa so uh things changed a little bit after that and that's why you kind of, if anyone comes to Altamont, it's like a double um, front and back house. There's no real front or back to this yeah, house, isn't that's it? That's exactly, they had yeah. to make the back of the house look a bit more like the front. Um, so the driveway was changed, obviously, to where it is. You have the main avenue up to, the, to what is now the front of the house. Yeah. Good. Um, just the other thing that we're walking down here through, I know it's season is over for it, but uh, if you come here in February time, this border is absolutely packed and the bottom of the garden here packed with snowdrops. That's a big thing here, isn't it? Yeah, Altamont has probably the biggest collection of snowdrops in the country that's open to the public uh, every day. Uh, during the month of February, we, we have our snowdrop month and there's guided tours uh, by the OPW staff every day. And um, so we're, we're very uh, proud of the collection we have and that Mrs. North and Paul Coulter and uh, Paul White since has built up. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic uh, feature of the garden and... Um, you know, we're, we're very proud of it. And it also gets people out here at a time of year when most people don't really want to go out garden. It's a, You need a bit more encouragement, but the snowdrops are well worth coming to here at February time if you are passing. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, I suppose February wouldn't be renowned as the biggest gardening time of the year, but uh, the snowdrops really do bring uh, people out, and uh, it actually has turned out now to be one of the busiest months of the garden calendar here in Altamont, and uh, it's it's fabulous to see people so enthusiastic about their gardens in uh, the depths of the of, uh, of February. Well, listen, Robert, we're just going to have another walk down to maybe your borders, but thanks for giving us a quick tour here at the front of the house of Altamont. No problem, Paul. So I'm here down in the lower part of the wall garden, the beautiful wall garden in Altamont here in County Carlow, and I'm here with Robert Miller. Robert, can you just explain what this looked like 20 years ago when you first came to the wall garden of Altamont? Yeah, well it's actually, I'm just thinking of it Paul, it's nearly 24 years ago now, so it was just after Mrs North died in 99, so she died February 99, and we started work basically here in the wall garden around, around Easter I'd say in 99 so um first of all there's a little bit of ivy on the walls here but back in 99 it was about six foot high all the way around <laughs> so that was the, one of the first jobs to try uh, to remove some of that so we cut it at the base and and tried to let it dry out for for a few months and then we started to peel it back um then we started creating these borders um mrs north had a vision of uh, reinstalling these borders before she died and um she would have asked myself and uh, my business partner at the time of something Broomfield to give her a hand. So basically we, we tried to carry out her wishes after she passed away. So basically uh, this was field at the time and the upper part was part of her, her own plant sales area. So uh, we had to basically deconstruct her plant sales area and move it. And then we had to cultivate all the soil, install the paths, install the steps, 
uh, edge all the beds and basically we would have put in the first plant into the border I think around February 2000 and then the borders themselves were planted up between February and July when the borders were officially opened by I think it was she was uh, then Minister um, Sheila de Valera at the time and basically uh, the borders have been, we've cared for the borders ever since so going on 20 odd plus years now well just we'll have a walk up through and I'll explain yeah. uh, herbaceous border uh, is just a mix of all of those plants that come up they flower in the one year and they die back down in the summer we're walking up here along you kind of have team borders here don't you yeah we, we, we started out for a pretty uh, strict colour teams I think it is probably mellowed a little bit uh, same as us all as you get a bit older over the years so we've added a few other colours but essentially uh, on we're on the lower part here we're on the right hand side we have the blue and white and purple border on the left would be kind of what was the hot border as such so it was kind of the hotter colours of the reds and oranges and, and not so much yellows but purples and so on and then the upper two borders then are the kind of pinks and mauves and on the left then is the yellow border such but again it's a mixture of yellows and blues and there's some whites in there as well and the thing here this is a garden all through the season you start off with your snowdrops and there's something of interest in this garden even if it's just a layout in the winter time all 12 months of the year really there's something to see here isn't there yeah well I suppose it's very important in any garden is to kind of have the bones of the garden which you really see in the winter time so I suppose the bones of these borders here is the is the box hedging and the box cones and the trees this gorgeous tree here on the right hand side the, the weeping um, silver pear we have the meddler which is original tree from when the wall garden first uh, first opened so it's about 150 to 200 years old um then uh, there's really just important to have the structure but even the, the layout, the hard landscaping can be attractive in the winter on its own before the, really, before the plants take off which starts obviously in January, February with the, with the snowdrops. Great, well look, thank you Robert for showing us around and anyone who hasn't had a chance come down and have a look at Ultimate. Uh, it's open all year round and it's worth coming to see at any time of the year. And that was down in Altamont there over the long weekend, uh, well worth having a look at. Well, each week here on The Garden Show, we'll be bringing you advice from a host of experts from the team at the Arboretum about how best to look after your garden, what you need to do in your garden at this time of year, and what's sort of uh, the most current and topical thing in the garden. And this week I have with me Eamon Wall, who is the plant manager down in Lachlan Bridge in Carlo. Uh, you're very welcome along, Eamon, and thank you for uh, Thank you, Paul. Good evening. Evening to you. So today, Eamon, we're going to have a quick look through seeds, veggie patch, uh, large and small spaces in the garden, greenhouse and propagator. So okay, kind of yeah. all the bits and pieces that you need to get that veggie garden, number one, up and running and everything you need to get uh, growing in that type of a space. So first of all, I mentioned seed there. So uh, kind of going to the very, very basics. Yeah. When you talk about seed, well, what are they to start with? Basically, it's a scientific embryotic stage of a, of life cycle of a plant. So basically, it's a little mini plant that you're ready to plant. Mm -hmm. And everything is encapsulated in that little seed. And it has the potential to give you a replica of the same plant. And they can come in many, many shapes and sizes, can't they? Uh, seed is not just one. Uh, yeah, yeah it can, you, look, you can take the size of a coconut, open that size, so six or eight inches. Then you can go down, say, to a tomato, where, or you're going to go down to a petunia, where it's only microscopic, yeah. top, of, top of a pin's pinhead so really like uh, from the size of a football to nearly yeah. a dust really Ex so exactly seed can yeah. be pretty much anything and of course the classic one that we're all familiar with here acorns and yeah uh, you know the nuts which are used and buried and that's often how in nature uh, seeds pop up and trees pop up everywhere it's 
squirrels yeah. will bury their nuts and will find the occasional I found it today in a pot something that was there for a year or two an oak tree had popped up in the corner because the red squirrel had buried it uh, in the corner of it but that's that's not a bad thing to well, no, it's, it's great and we always think about the birds as you said the, the, the berries and the, and the, the fruit around around the capsule of, of the seed is their reward for spreading the seed and that they transport the seed around the, around the place yep yep so it's a very good thing to have indeed uh, just in terms of what seed when it comes to seed what do we need to be sowing now in the garden uh, what should we is it pretty much at this time nearly everything I say this this yeah. time of year everything now as you know the weather today is very inclement so you won't be thinking yes. of sowing outside <laughs> uh, so I think it's full, full steam ahead sowing all your vegetables flowers so Again, regarding uh, depending what where, what area, what size you have. So you, again, do you have a patio? Do you have a garden? Do you have a glass house? So that will dictate what you're going to sow. So, if I was sowing seed today, now what I would st- start off is lettuce. Lettuce okay. is a great one, great one for, for kids, beginners. You know, it's, it's an easy one to do. Again, you can plant it in a small pot, put it on a terrace, put it on the balcony, so it doesn't take up much space for your salad crop. Uh, spring onions, scallions are great. Again, you can have a window tub, you can have a pot, so very easy. Radish would be another good one. They're all great. Uh, when I was training down in SETU there, they said, uh, they called it, well, it was in Kildalton College, actually, there was a lecturer who said, uh, plants like that are confidence builders. And if you're new yeah. to gardening, confidence building is what you need to do. So start off with the easy. So those yeah. three ones, the uh, salad, the lettuce, the radish, and yeah. spring onions are pretty much foolproof. Yeah, you give them in a window easy. box, you can, yeah, yeah, it's a great one to start with. Runner beans is another great, the legumes, the peas. Uh, so runner beans, French uh, dwarf runner beans in, in pots again, because they're small and you keep picking and the secret is keep picking and picking and they'll keep rewarding you with loads and loads of peas. In terms of seed, just talking about it, uh, the advantages of it are, I guess, that you can get a huge amount of plants out of one small packet of seed, can't you? Uh, that's a great way of putting it, yeah, because yeah. I always say, if the pack of seed is cheap, there's, there's usually hundreds and hundreds, and if the pl- if the pack is more expensive, there tend to be only a few seeds. Mm. And so you take a pack of lettuce seed, you could have 500 or 700 seed, and it might only cost you 2 or 3 euros, depending on the variety. So you get masses of seeds out of one, so great, very easy and very cheap yep great way to do it and what then when you get the seed back what do they need to grow are there a couple of fundamental things that you have to do to make a packet of seed uh, you know come out and come to life yes <laughs> so the vital ingredients is is usually water is number one and then say heat and heat okay. will vary depending on which seed you have so for instance you have lettuce seed it requires very minimal heat if you want to say grow courgettes cucumbers tomatoes they would need temperatures of 18 to 20 plus degrees and if you if you don't have a propagator you can pop in the windowsill in the kitchen where it's nice and warm and it really is only those that you need yeah. I know we will you know compost you obviously yeah. uh, growing off seed they need a medium of some sort yeah. but people do sprout seeds as well you can do you know mustard seeds on a on piece of tissue paper, paper. Yeah, exactly yeah. yeah so you don't you don't always need the at the end of the day the the grow medium is only just a substrate to hold the roots you know and to take up the nutrients once you want to make it bigger, bigger so exactly, you know when yeah. we're talking about mustard we're cutting it with yeah. a scissors we don't exactly, need it to be like big, crest so. and things like that I remember years ago when you'd be in school you'd mm-hmm. use a blot, blotted paper cotton wool and you put your crest seed on them and you thought it was great that all germinate or the runner bean in the jar with the blotting paper. Yeah, yeah, they were fantastic. Um, just then in terms of when you are growing the seed, what's, is, is there one or two kind of key things that you often find that people will come back to you saying, oh, such and such didn't grow? Is there one or two sort of key failing points that people are, stumbling I'd blocks say that people the, the stumbling blocks are that people, how they prepare, even say, for instance, you have, you can have uh, cell trays with mm-hmm. modules or you can have just say like an A4 size uh, tray and you put the compost in. People tend to make mistakes like, say, uh, sprinkle the seed on top and then then they water it and when they water then the seed is so fine they wash it all over the place okay so that's that's a real kind of a rookie so I always say 
water, water your seed tray, let it drain through, and I don't plant the seed straight away into the tray. What I do is leave it, bring it into the house, let it go to room temperature, leave it overnight, so then you're not putting the seed into, it's like putting your feet into cold water. You're putting the seed now into a nice warm base. And then when it germinates, again, what tends to people happen is that they, they don't rotate them. So if you have them in the window, what will happen is that they'll grow towards the light and then they'll get leggy. Or if you put them somewhere that it's not bright enough, they'll actually grow to a certain height and they, they fall over. So they get long, straggly legs. So you need to have them, once they germinate, they need to be really in a bright situation. So you do have to kind of pay attention to them. You, you do, can't yeah. just forget about them. You no. do need to be a little bit vigilant. Yeah. But as you say, keep them somewhere that you're passing every yeah. day, you know, near the door, near the window yeah. where you're going to collect your car keys yeah. or whatever. And you, yeah, it's a And if they're, if they're grown and, and they tend to be delicate, make sure and rotate them every couple of days and don't water them overhead. Have another tray that you can put water in and soak it up. And make sure you use tepid water again so you're not shocking them. This cold water treatment can shock the young little seedlings then. Yeah, great. Acclimatising is yeah, always exactly. a good idea. Yeah. So then when it comes to, you know, you've maybe started off a couple of seeds of this lettuce or the spring onion or whatever and then you're looking to plant them out and you're looking at starting off a veggie patch maybe for the first time maybe you've done it before and you're looking to extend it uh, so when it comes to that and you know most some people here I'm sure are new to gardening never done it before they have maybe a smallish garden where do you locate a veg patch in the garden is there a couple of tips yeah I said that? probably the most important tip is that locate if in the ideal world you want to locate it say south facing so it gets the sun all day you're not going to locate it say under the trees or something like that so it's going to be shaded you don't want to locate it where it's very windy so ideally pick a spot where it's nice and bright and it has shelter because okay. that makes the difference of a plant going to grow well. Now, you'll also have a frow at whoever wants to put a patio in the garden yeah. because you're not going to put the patio on the veg patch and vice versa. Ex- so you ex- might exactly, have to compromise yeah. a little bit. You can bit. compromise yeah, a bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you can also bring your, 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 your veg plants to your patio. So again, surround you. Can, you, you can use uh, raised planters, troughs, uh, any parts, big parts, and you can bring those to the patio. They're great for when you want to add herbs. So again, they can be on the wind, so you don't have to go outside to go get them. They're, they're nearby then. Great, and that was my next question. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't necessarily have a garden which yeah. not everyone does. You no, know, it's more true, and yeah. more of us are living uh, in apartments and yeah. smaller spaces. So you can easily plant a couple of edge in a very small space, so like a, a window box. Yeah, window boxes are great because you, you have a massive space and again, you can just have them in the window, you can see what's going on. I always find them great for the herbs. Say you have chives, parsley, things like that and you can just snip them and they'll keep, keep repeating. Again, lettuce is a brilliant one. So we're all familiar with the heads of lettuce but the new thing now is the cut and come lettuce mm. and you'll get those, they'll, they'll, you'll have uh, ready, say, 28 days from the, from the time of planting uh, cut them and you can get about four cuttings off them in one season. Yeah, so it doesn't necessarily just have to be those things you no, can put it in. No, Lots of others. And I also like the baby carrots in yeah. a window box too. You know, lots of things. You don't just have to think about what will grow, you know, salad. You can put lots of things being a little bit creative in a window yeah, box. Yeah, ca- uh, carrots is, a, is an interesting one because there's a little small variety called paramix and it's little little round little carrots and mm. the, it's great. The kids love them. It's a little packet especially aimed at the kids and they're only small. Again, just say a foot and a half apart, 18 inches, 45 centimetre apart and they'd be perfect for that and the kids love watching them grow. And if anyone has never tried a fresh carrot out of the ground it's totally different it's well worth doing it because the taste is just uh, same with a tomato I know that's a little bit more complex but if you can get a fresh tomato from a glass house you will never again think the supermarkets you'll think you're being conned when you go into a supermarket yeah it's a question I'm always asked uh, regarding tomatoes people always say what's the best flavour tomato and I will say the best flavour tomato is any one that you grow because no matter what you grow the flavour is more intense now you can get 
would say Sun Baby, Sun Gold, which were very very sweet and more intense and more sugar content. But no matter what you get, you're actually picking off the tomato. And another myth then as well, people putting tomatoes in the fridge to preserve them. Oh, it that. ruins yeah. the flavour. So <laughs> always like a strawberry, always have them at room temperature. Yeah. Never put them in the fridge because it ruins the flavour. And taking it on a warm day, even a variety yeah. like Moneymaker, which is one of the most common yeah. ones that you know yeah. people might think, oh, you know, yeah. but when you get a good one of that from the yeah. fresh from the plant, it's just well when you say tomato, I know we're talking about veg, but for any pedantic people out there, we know mm-hmm. tomatoes are a fruit, uh, but they're classified as 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 veg for most people. But we we do know it's a fruit. It's probably probably one of the best selling vegetables that we sell, says you, even though it is a fruit. And uh, tomatoes, a great one that we sell for people with space is tumbler, and it's what we yeah. call is uh, determined. So tomato plants, you have to pinch side, pinch them, side shoot them. With the, with tumbler, you don't have to red profusion the same. So plant them in a hanging basket, and they'll get masses of fruit. Yep. And they're really easy. Great again for limited space. A really, really good one. And speaking of uh, greenhouses and well, tomatoes, greenhouses come to mind because you can't really grow tomatoes in this country without having a little bit of cover, really. I mean, you can try a few outside and they will do, but to get the earlier ones, it is better to have a glass house. So that's the next kind of question. Yeah, in the ideal them. world, we're all like a glass house. Yes. And a glass house is far superior than a tunnel because it lets more heat in as a tunnel. Uh, doesn't let as much heat in. But then this time of year, uh, when you have radiation frost, so exit, tomorrow's going to be very cold, a tunnel will actually be more insulated as the glass house has no doesn't retain any heat but it heats up a lot quicker but it releases the heat very quick so uh, glass houses the key thing is that you have frost protection this time of year, especially if you have tomato plants in and have a little heater or, or be prepared, prepared to use fleece or cover them over tunnel gives you a bit more leeway because it doesn't the temperature doesn't change as much and it's a bit more consistent more consistent yeah, yeah. glasses tend to heat up very quick because they're smaller in size but they're both very, very useful and they're both great at extending the season. Exactly. Yes. Exactly what you want with them. Great. So, and then in terms of sighting the glass house in the garden, similar as before. Exactly. You're not going to put it under a tree or something like that. So again, ideally you want it in full sun. Great. And of course, the things, uh, planting the glass house, uh, the tomatoes, the chilies. Anything else, uh, if you have a glass house to well, work? The glass house, again, again, you can use your cucumbers, courgettes, all the things that won't naturally grow well outside. And again, well, use the both levels. So if you have, toma- you have tomato plants growing up in, up in the... Uh, tall aspects of the glass house you can use strawberries again so you can have them tumbling down you can put your salad crops your lettuce your spring onions so I use both all the spaces and around your tomato plants early stages plant your lettuce brilliant uh, we'll go off to a break and then we'll be back talking to Eamon more. The Garden Show on KCLR with Paul Smith brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants trees tools and treatments arboretum.ie and you're very welcome back to The Garden Show. I have Eamon Wall here from the Arboretum um, and we're just talking a little bit about veg gardens getting set up with a glass house and veg garden and we're going to answer some of your listener questions um, which of course you can send in to 083 306 9696 on the WhatsApp. Always want to hear your questions and what you're doing in the garden. If you have any queries, anything you want to ask for either this week or next, uh, send it to 083 306 9696. So Eamon... We were there chatting a little bit about yeah. glass houses and uh, pretty much where to site them, what to put into them. Uh, and then what do you put into them, uh, not just in terms of plants, but you need to accessorise these things up a bit, don't you? You need to, uh, you know, grow uh, these plants in seed trays. And there's a few other things you need to put into these glass houses to really get the max out of the space because it's an expensive thing to have. So it's worth getting uh, some of the kit that you need to make these places. Yeah, go. so you, you could say you could have st- uh, stage and so that gives you a different level in the glass house. So you can have different crops at different stages. Mm-hmm. So it's to, it's to utilise 
utilise the, the space. I, I love the idea that you know, strawberries are a, are a great thing now that you can actually hang them in the glass house and tunnels so you're using the upper upper level. And things that you say accessorise, you, ideally you could have a little heater, so a little frost protection, which is which is ideal. And then, what about a propagator, so a heated propagator? Heated is propagator. that sort of a luxury or is that sort of for uh, the next level of gardener when you're... <laughs> well, I, it's a luxury and I find it kind of be an extension. I have one myself mm-hmm. now and so I find them great because it gives you an ambient temperature at the root zone. So so if you go and say uh, tomato plants, cucumbers, cauliflower, they want the higher temperature. They will work to a certain degree, but what will happen if you have a propagator, they will all go uniform at the same time. So it's, it's great for that. Great. And the other thing that we talk a lot about are seed trays and starting yeah. off these plants in seed trays, but not everything needs to be started off in a seed tray. And that's probably worth talking about. You don't want to put, you know, you don't start off seed potatoes in seed trays, yeah. for example, or uh, carrots in particular yeah. have a tap root, so you have to be careful. So yeah. you just need to be a little bit uh, careful, don't you, when it comes what, to that? What you can do, for a good example, say sweet corn is a, is a plant that doesn't like to be moved and say tomatoes, that you, uh, you can go, so you have different size types of seed trays. You can say what we call a module. So they have the one, one seed would go into that so you're not going to disturb that particular plant and then for instance if you have say lettuce you could have just have an open seed tray and you can sprinkle them over the top so so you'd use different seed trays modules or open trays depending on what depending crop on you're growing yeah. right. and you can also have a lid that can go over the top you don't even need to have heat and that'll keep the moisture in then as well and that works very yeah. well fantastic so just to move on uh, moving away from that into one or two of the listener questions that have been sent in to us so uh, we've got a question in from last week someone planted a laurel hedge a couple of weeks ago two weeks ago but it looks like it's died does it take a while to take off uh, this laurel hedge that sort of went brown for no reason okay um, when it goes brown uh, yeah. what i don't know from the, is was it planted bare bare root or was it potted yeah now your normally bare root laurel hedge is planted say from october up until february mm-hmm. and we did have a very dry february so if it was planted and they didn't look watered in february you would run into problems if it had been planted in in march it probably would have had better success but traditionally you always like say finish finish off your bare root in, in february so if it's gone brown Okay, there could be wind scorch. Say the margin of the leaves go brown. That's a sign that is wind. If the whole of the leaf has gone brown, or say that near the top of the plant, that's a sign that it's, it's lacking of water. Yeah. But I would just leave it alone. Don't do anything. And uh, what will happen then? Say uh, in a few weeks, if you see it sprouting again, give it a, give it a feed. Say general fertilize like grow more, and it should bring it on. But yeah, if it's, it if it's just, uh, exactly to life, yeah. exactly. often plants uh, after been moved yeah, and yeah, have yeah, a bit of neglect, shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like all of us, yeah, you can get a little bit shocked. Shock, so yeah. plants are no different. So. Yeah. Hopefully that's all that's happened that, in that case. And what are a question that's in about cats? Uh, yeah. One of our favourite as gardeners, we always get okay. asked about these. Uh, any tips to keep cats from digging up plants um, and using your flower beds as a toilet? Which unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, it happens. I could say I could recommend a spring a spaniel or a cocker spaniel, which yeah, I am, well, but that won't, that won't go down too well with many people. So yeah. what I would say to you, uh, the best thing really is what is you can do. You can uh, basically have water in the garden. Uh, uh, great ideas, but you have a sprinkler hose and it has a sensor and that can actually water what they don't like. Uh, another thing then is like uh, uh, Collius caninus which is a, is a plant, which is a, it's kind of a herb and it has a pungent smell. And they just and don't like it. They don't like the smell, unlike Nepeta which attracts them mm. uh, to the garden or if you really want to look, look at you could put a, a, a better approach maybe it's to plant, plant Nepeta in, in a different part of your garden where you want to bring them away from where they're doing and, the, and they'll, they'll go to the Nepeta or Catmint and they'll roll in that so you can work different ways of different approaches looking at it yeah Yeah. absolutely well listen Eamon Wall thank you very much for coming in here and talking to us tonight Uh, thank you to listeners today for listening to us on The Garden Show we'll be back next week Um, in the meantime we're going to be doing a little bit of walking on sunshine and hoping that the weather will improve in the coming week Um, so happy gardening to everyone and see you soon 
The Garden Show on KCLR with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments. Arboretum.ie